For over 50 years, Star Trek has been a part of our lives. In its many variations, we have shared it with friends and family members. Our passion for the franchise has lived on through the years. This podcast is dedicated to those relationships and connections that we have made with Star Trek as the focus. As a father and son, the hosts will shed some light into the differences and similarities seen through the years of watching Star Trek. This is Generations, a Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Doug Robertson. And we are a father and son host of Generations, an independent Star Trek podcast. We're both lifelong Star Trek fans, and we want to thank you for downloading and listening. And if you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode. We upload a new podcast on the first and third Friday of every month. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just use Generations Trek, one word. If you have an interesting Star Trek story with someone that got you into Star Trek or you got them into Star Trek, an aunt, an uncle, college roommate, parent, sibling, teacher, anyone, we would love to hear your story. Just drop us an email at generationstrek at gmail.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you do, please rate and review. That would be fantastic. And, well, I want to thank everybody for sticking with us while we took a little break. Uh, we had a few things going on in each of our lives. I had uh, a pretty bad case of bronchitis for about eight weeks. Had a couple little stays in the hospital during that. and uh, But I'm feeling much better now. Thank you. And, Doug, what's going on in your life? Uh, we just had another baby. So um, our, our daughter was just born. Uh, and she had to spend a week in the NICU. Uh, she's got a little heart thing going on. So lots going on here too. And she's wonderful. She's beautiful. And I get to meet her in a few weeks. I can hardly wait. Yeah. Now she's home and happy and pooping on me and all that good stuff. The babies do. Great. Well, we have feedback from a previous show um, from Facebook. Uh, Chris Trapuzio posted on our site. It said, while no one in my family has influenced my fandom by showing Trek, it just makes my heart smile by others to, who watch and explain Trek to their young ones. To see an iconic show such as this transcend <clears throat> generations. I see what he did there. I do. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> um, as we get into the conversation, we have a spoiler warning. The following contains spoilers for the entirety of Star Trek from the original series through and including Star Trek Discovery. If you do not wash, wish to hear plot points and character development information, do not continue. You have been warned. All right. Well, for this episode, we're going to bring in a father and a son. Let's beam them in. Energize. All right. Well, welcome into the podcast. Uh, today we have two special guests. We have a father and son. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? How you doing? I'm Zach Moore. I am a host of uh, Standard Orbit over at Trek FM, and that's how uh, me and uh, Tim and Doug met uh, at Star Trek's Las Vegas Buddies over there, Trek FM Buddies. I'm here with my dad, Greg. 
Hi, this is Greg, and uh, I'm here because I'm Zach's dad. All right. <laughs> now, where are you guys located? We live in uh, Houston, Texas. I've I've was born and raised here my whole life, and you too. I was born and raised here my whole life as well. Okay, and what do you do for a living? I am a photographer, videographer, editor. I have worked in TV and uh, freelance for myself and uh, hospital uh, healthcare as well. So I, I'm just I document things and 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 record them for uh, the record of history. That's what I do. So I uh, retired from 25 years in financial services back in 2014, and since then I've been uh, doing a lot of volunteer work. I'm a, a child advocate, which is a volunteer position in the in Texas that helps out uh, children in the uh, uh, in the in the court system that have been taken away from them by the state, and I'm help represent them in court. I also am a big brother in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, and uh, I do some volunteer work in a prostate cancer education group. I'm a prostate cancer survivor, and between those three things and and uh, being married full time, that takes up my life. That's good. So retirement's keeping you busy. I love retirement. Absolutely. Not paying me as much, but uh, psychologically, uh, 110% good. That's good. Yeah, I'm, about, I'm about two years out from that, so I'm I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, where where and who got you into Star Trek, Greg? Or how did you get into it? Well, uh, I uh, let's see. When Star Trek came out, uh, was it 60, 65 was the first year? 66. 66. I guess I heard about it in 65. So 66, uh, I would have been just shy of 12 years old. And I was uh, already into science fiction at the time, uh, you know, doing a lot of comic book reading, but just being introduced to science fiction. And uh, so the television, right? I mean, the television introduced me to Star Trek because of the ads on NBC in full color. And uh, so I, uh, I started watching it in 1966, and that's how I was introduced to it. That's, that's great. That's exactly how I got into it as well. Perfect. Um, were you into space or science fiction at the same time as well? I mean, living in Houston, you have the space program right there. Yeah, I was, uh, I was definitely into science fiction, but definitely a space nerd then and space nerd now. Uh, gosh, um, I can remember, uh, when the, when the Mercury program first started, uh, off on, on launch days, I would get deathly ill at my home and, uh, and, and fake out being ill so that I could watch the launches on television. I'm not really sure that worked hundred percent of the time, but you know, in my memory now it worked hundred percent of the time, but yeah, I, I have been a, a fan of space, uh, ever since, uh, my early, early days. And like you said, being here in Houston, there was always a big plus to that. As a matter of fact, my, uh, my grandparents, my father's parents, uh, lived down in the Clear Lake area near NASA. They were living there before, NASA was there. So uh, the area that they lived in, uh, which is, uh, I think it was called Timber Grove Manor in the Taylor Lake Village area, that's where a lot of the astronauts lived when they first moved to Houston. So uh, I would, we would drive to my, to my grandparents' home and, you know, and people would point out to me, well, that's where Alan Shepard lives or that's where Gordon Cooper lives. And of course, I never saw them, but just being, drive, driving by their houses when, when you're like eight years old, it's just the coolest thing ever to know that they'd be down here with astronauts. So yeah, a lot of history there for me. Very cool. That's awesome. And what about you, Zach? What's your earliest Star Trek memory? Well, I, I grew up around Star Trek. Uh, both my parents are Trekkies, so it's, it's hard for me to, to remember an actual first memory of Star Trek. Uh, I do remember 
uh, I was I was thinking I was thinking about this because we 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 kind of shared their, what we were going to be talking about tonight, and uh, so I was thinking about this question and the the earliest memory that I have because I think I was around three, and uh, I think you I think I was at your parents' house, Dad, and I was watching Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it was the episode Conspiracy. And it was the end of the. This is this is just a very intense childhood memory. It's the end of the episode, and they're blowing up, you know, the alien, and it, they blow up a guy's head, and an alien comes out. And I remember just like being very frightened and running and hiding behind some piece of furniture. Uh, so a very traumatic moment. That's probably why I remember it because <laughs> it was so intense, you know. Uh, and then you know, getting older, like you know, we'd always have Star Trek around on tapes and TV. So. Um, you know, I just kind of just grew up with the movies and the TV shows, uh, the first two shows for sure, uh, original series and, and Next Generation. So, because I was born the same year as Next Generation, so that's kind of I'm like a child of literally the Next Generation. So your earliest memory is is watching Picard and Riker blow somebody up. Do you have a favorite Star Trek memory? Because I assume <laughs> the one that made you hide behind the couch isn't it. No, that's probably not, that's probably not my favorite one. That, that, that's a tough one too. The favorite memory. Um, you know, I, I would probably say, because, um, you know, when you grow up with this, it's like, life. but but I probably will say uh, we went to California. And uh, and so so me and my parents went to California when I was six, and they had a theme park ride called Star Trek The Adventure, or the Star Trek Adventure or something. And and a universal, right, exactly. And uh, as I understand it, my mom did a lot of legwork on making sure that we were going to get there and get on the show, and so uh, because you know they quote unquote pick people out from the audience, but it's all it's all rigged, I guess. Apparently, so uh, so um, the the deal with the ride was you 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 go and they film an episode of Star Trek and they dress you up in the costumes and you're on the sets and then they and then they make an episode and in in and then they give it to you when it's over and they cut you together with stock footage from the movies. And so uh, I was in it, and as, as I understand it, I was kind of the star of the show, right? Yes, your your mother made sure you were. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I was the only. Like, I was a, I was a Starfleet officer, and they, I went down to the planet, uh, so I got to be in the transporter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, and you got you guys were just on the bridge, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, we were on the bridge. It was a. It was a wonderful little thing. As a matter of fact, I, I guess you have that tape somewhere. I, I need. I need to get the copy of that from you, but. Uh, yeah, we yeah, we should post it right. So I have to say, I have to I have to say something about this because I, I I didn't realize Zach was going to bring it up, and it's a great memory for for all of all of us. But I remember as we were planning the trip out there that that Zach's mom had been on the phone, you know, telling me about you know this ride and that she was trying to meet someone out there that hopefully get Zach on the on the on the uh, sort of you know being on stage. Well. Uh, when when she was focused on something, it was it was it was pretty much going to happen. So I remember getting out there, and uh, sure enough, as Zach, as Zach mentioned he was quote unquote randomly chosen from the from the crowd. But it turned out I think there was some payola given of some sort. To, but uh, <laughs> from your mom, just kidding about that. But she certainly did a lot of a lot of legwork, and and all due credit to her to for getting him on this thing because it's it's quite a memory and it's kind of cool sitting here right now hearing him share his memories of it because uh that was a that was a lot of fun i did want to add something in about the the favorite star trek memory because uh as i as i reflected on this 
this is interesting. Uh, the, the, the title of your podcast is generations because not only, you know, am I sitting here with my son watching this, but, but my dad was also a big fan of science fiction and he and I, he and I watched the original Star Trek series together. And, uh, so like I said, I was, I was, I guess, uh, 12 years old when it started. So I was just getting into my early teens, you know, the three years of Star Trek, right? Gets me up to being 15. Well, uh, I, I, I started developing a very, uh, a very uh, distinct political philosophy at that time, even at, at that age, which was about 180 degrees different from my dad's. So we would sit. I know it is. I know it is. And so, yeah, we, I, I quickly learned not to sit and watch the nightly news with him. But in any event, uh, I remember many times he would we would be watching the show. And of course, to him. Seeing people, you know, that, that that looked differently on the bridge was very different. And, of course, he, he fought in World War II, and he fought in the Pacific. So he had certain opinions about people of the Asian race, you know, that he fought against. So, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty understandable, him being a veteran. But anyway, he would sit and make comments, you know, about, about the crew and, you know, certain comments about their heritage and all. And, of course, I would go, Dad – that's the biggest crock or what, and we'd get into arguments, you know, over, over that stuff during Star Trek, but those are friendly arguments. The ones watching the nightly news weren't too friendly, but, but yeah, that, that, as I look back on it, I mean, we really connected. I could sit and watch Star Trek with my dad. And, and then of course, you know, fast forward 30 years later, sitting there watching it with my, you know, with my son, pretty special times that I can, I can look on both ends, I guess, you know, people our age are probably the only ones that can do that, right? Because that's sort of when, when Star Trek started. So, yeah, pretty pretty special on, on both uh, both sides of my life, having my dad uh, and, and Zach. And, of course, and like Zach mentioned, his mom uh, was a big Star Trek fan as well. So he didn't really have – he didn't he didn't have a shot at not becoming a Star Trek fan. If, if, he, was, if he was not going to be one, he would have to really have hit it from us. That would have been tough. What do you think about that, Doug? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we did that. Uh, we, you, one of us has the videotape of being on the um, on that Universal show too. Right. Uh, okay, I think, think Summer got built well. in that hearing chamber. I've got the videotape somewhere. I, I need to dig that out. Yeah, I got to find ours as well. So it's uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, gosh, I was six, so that was like really long time ago. I mean, if I had like another like great Star Trek memory, I'd say uh, just probably when Star Trek 09 came out. Because it was like Star Trek became mainstream. Like, as I always liked Star Trek, and I had friends who, and a lot of my friends were, you know, into nerdy stuff. But Star Trek was always that, like, yeah, you know, it's not Star Wars, but whatever. So that's what kind of people's attitude towards. But when Star Trek 09 came out, like, I went with a group of friends, and everybody liked it. I was like, oh, we're finally mainstream. There's going to be so many great Star Trek movies over the next few years. I can't wait. Star Wars is gone. Star Trek is going to take over the world. And fast forward, you know, 10 years, and Star Trek's uh, dead again, and Star Wars is back. But anyway, those were good times in <laughs> 2009. Very good. Uh, Star Trek philosophy, you hear people talk about that all the time. What does that mean to you? I have to ask you, okay, we're the same, the same generation. I, to me, you know, I kept thinking about the Star Trek philosophy. I mean, other than, you know, the, the Gene Roddenberry vision of the future, which apparently had no money in it that I can, that I can remember and, uh, only had officers on the, on the, on the enterprise, uh, you know, sort of this utopian view of, of Earth. I, I mean, I didn't really pick up on any quote unquote philosophy other than that. So maybe, maybe you guys could help me understand what uh, what you mean by the Star Trek philosophy, and I can comment on it. It's it's the vision. I, that's I think of the vision of Star Trek. Like 
hope and you know everybody gets together camaraderie you just look at the bridge of the original enterprise i mean like you said there was an oriental on the asian person on, on the on the bridge and at that time that wasn't around and you had your on the bridge right no oh, absolutely so you know if the philosophy is looking towards the future where uh, people of different races, backgrounds, et cetera, could actually work together uh, and be a productive team. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're sitting there watching that in 1966 and 67 and 68, which as you will rem- remember, uh, boy, those were those were tough years for the United States in particular with not only the the uh, racial issues, the civil rights issues, the uh, political assassinations, uh, boy, nothing seemed to be working right, you know, and then here comes this show where it shows in the future, everything's working right. Uh, I guess, you know, now when I, when I reflect on that, uh, it, you know, it's certainly a, a goal that you hope happens in the future. And, and like back then, if, if you'd have said, you know, fast forward to 50 years in the future and Lots of things have improved, but boy, lots of things, you know, haven't improved. I guess it's incremental. That's why uh, they look back and then the historians look over hundreds and thousands of years instead of just, you know, decades to see improvements in society. So I guess that's my comment. How about you, Zach? Yeah, you know, for me, all all the obvious stuff about, you know, hope for the future, because Star Trek really is one of the few optimistic science fictions, you know, everything is like, Terminator or, you know, the Matrix or et cetera, et cetera. It's like, hey, robots or Planet of the Apes, right? We're all going to destroy ourselves and some other life form is going to take over. So there's that. But then to me, you know, I think a lot of the things of Star Trek are like the um, uh, the, the sense of family and friendship and camaraderie. And, and that's, you know, and that's the kind of like the needs of the few outweigh the, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Star Trek three is probably my favorite one. Cause you got these group of people, they're going against, you know, what, uh, what the man tells you to do to kind of, to look out for your, your friends or your family, you know, or the friends who become your family, you know? And so I think that's the, the, uh, sense of camaraderie between everybody. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and being from different cultures and different backgrounds as well. Like you didn't really, um, uh, it doesn't matter who they were. It matters what they meant to you and what the people meant to each other. And I think that's that's one of the big things that sticks out to me about the, the quote-unquote Star Trek philosophy. Very good. And this, this next question kind of ties into that because you talked about the hope and stuff. But sometimes you'll hear fans say things like, this isn't my Star Trek or this isn't Star Trek. Um, what do you think of when you hear... Uh, somebody say this isn't Star Trek or or this isn't Star Trek to me or this show wasn't Star Trek. Um, right. does, does that... What do you think about that? Okay. okay. Um, well, well, I think you know everyone's entitled to their opinion. I mean, it's a very subjective thing. I mean, I know what Star Trek is. You know, for me, and for me to go and watch. Uh, you know, uh, maybe one of the episodes of Discovery and whatever and say, well, that's not that's not Star Trek to me. Well, you know what? That's 100 percent correct. It's my opinion. Right. And so it makes no difference to me if, if uh, the, the, the four of us on this podcast or 40 people were in the room, everyone would have an opinion as to what is or isn't, the, you know, their Star Trek. And you know what? And, and everyone would be right. I guess the one thing for me is it's just not worth arguing about because it's a very subjective matter. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like beauties in the eye of the beholder, right? Uh, it's just, it's a personal subjective thing. Zach? Yeah, I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's all Star Trek. I mean, I, it might not be your Star Trek, but it, it's it's Star Trek, and and why? I mean, I think it's fun to kind of talk about the minutia and like, well, the continuity of this show doesn't match the other show, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's fun and harmless, but like, it's it's not like you said, Dad. It's not worth like like literally getting angry about, you know? Um, because hey, there's plenty of Star Trek to go around. Oh yeah. <laughs> Has this been a thing? Has there been controversy about Star Trek recently? What's going on? Um, but yeah, I think you know it's it's it, Star Trek. There's enough Star Trek to go around for everybody, you know. So if you have your your set of movies or a couple of shows out of the seven hundred that you like, and then the other ones you don't, I mean, it's great. But yeah, I mean, don't don't get mad at someone for liking something you don't. Right? That seems to be going around a lot of the internet as well, and vice versa. Don't get mad at people for not liking what you do. Right, and that—that's not part of the Star Trek philosophy, people. So remember that when you're when you're criticizing people's opinions. Yeah. Now, uh, Greg, what made you? Did you have a choice to share Star Trek with Zach? Did I? I'm not sure. I understand your question. What 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 made you share your love for Star Trek with your son? Well, uh, I guess just sitting there watching it when he was growing up, uh, thinking that, you know, or actually hoping that he would, he would identify with the show and, and, and like it. I mean, you know, like I said, his, his mother was a big fan too. So it's, it's not like he could escape, you know, and I had, uh, I had, you know, Star Trek books. I mean, I have the original making of Star Trek book that, that came out. I don't know. Do you have that now? Cause I, okay. He has it. That's good. Uh, he had probably has a bunch of other Star Trek books. I sold that for about thousand dollars last year. Yeah. 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 Right. That, that I'll tell you what, it was not in good shape when, when, when I had it, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, I didn't really, I guess it wasn't a conscious effort. He just, uh, he just saw it. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was a Star Trek nerd back then. So, I had, you know, I had been taping the episodes over the uh, on-air broadcast for years, you know, so that we could have copies of them. And uh, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know, do you still have those tapes? I mean, actually, the funnest, most fun about looking at some of those old tapes is seeing the commercials and in between, you know, seeing commercials from the 1980s or so. So I guess that's the only way I can I can put it is is that he just uh, he, he was there and. And he got exposed to it, so he, I guess he got it by, got it by osmosis. Obviously, it it must have taken pretty deep because he's still into it. So it sounds like both of you were into it, and mom was into it. And so, um, Greg, was your dad also into Star Trek? You said, yeah, yeah, he was uh, absolutely. He, you know, he was a science fiction guy. So uh, a funny story about my dad and my son. Um, his favorite movie of all time. Well, I shouldn't say favorite movie of all time, but one of his favorite uh, science fiction movies was the original King Kong. Matter of fact, I remember him telling me, you know, he went, I mean, he was born in 1925 and Kong came out when son 33. So, you know, do the math. He was eight, you know, when he went to see the movie. Yeah. And I mean, that was in the middle of a recession. Uh, I know his parents were not doing well, no, so great at the time. But he got into the movie theater. Not, you know, maybe he did or didn't pay. I don't know. But, but he 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 told me he said it scared the ever living daylights out of him. Uh, but he he always liked that movie. And then I let Zach comment on on his on his uh, opinion of that movie. Yeah, that's that's my favorite movie uh, of all time, the colorized version from from the eighties. That's the one I saw on TNT when I was growing up. 
So which we which we recorded off TV. So when I found out that was a black and white movie, I was like, "What are you talking about? I've been watching it in color my whole life." But anyway, it's still my favorite movie. So. And are there other family members who are also into Star Trek that you guys shared it with? Or was it mostly within just? Yeah, I mean, it's basically just you, me, and my mom. So it's just this uh, as far as as far as Star Trek went. So we were kind of a smaller family, I guess, all things considered. So. Now, has Star, Star Trek affected your relationship in any way? Ours? Yeah. Ours? Well, I mean, I, I think it's done. I mean, we have a good relationship, at least as far as I'm concerned. But I think it, you know, it's given us something common to stay in touch with about. I mean, uh, we, we we both love baseball. We're big Houston Astros fans. We were Astros fans before it became – I know, I know. Before it became cool to be an Astros fan, we were we were Astros fans during the bad years. And 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 yeah, yeah, and they, even a few years ago, before they before they got good in the American League, but yeah, so it just gave us a good, a good connect. I think I think it more it did more to give us something to talk about, you know, that we connected about, and um, we'll talk about this more, I guess, later on. You have a question about conventions, but uh, I went to the fiftieth anniversary convention uh, in in Las Vegas a few years back, I guess twenty sixteen, right, uh, with with Zach and. Uh, that that was that was just a blast being there with him. We'll talk more when you when that comes up later, I guess. Okay. How about you, Zach? How's it affected your relationship with your dad? Yeah, I mean, whenever you can have some some kind of common ground, if you will, about something to to participate in together and and kind of talk about it, and, you know, and, and the thing, cool little thing about Star Trek is it's like smart television, so like you can watch it and then kind of talk about the stuff afterward, you know, the, the moral dilemmas or you know those kinds of things. You can kind of transpose it to. Uh, so it kind of opens up interesting kind of lines of conversation that you might not otherwise talk about just because, just based off kind of the things it presents to you. So and that's the great thing about science fiction. You know, uh, you can it gives you, you know, you sit there and you watch it and it's fun. It's enjoyable. But, you know, a lot of the times, especially in something like Star Trek, there's something worth discussing afterward, which which is what makes it more uh, memorable and uh, has it uh, a, a good conversation piece. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about science fiction too. Is you bring them in with the bright shiny lasers, and then you whip a bunch of message on them while they're while they're distracted. Yeah. Um, so that's how it impacts your your relationship. What about your life? Like you always hear stories about. I became an engineer because of Wesley Crusher. I became a doctor because of this person. Um, has that affect? Has Star Trek affected your life in some way? Kind of like their view. Well, I, I would say that the early exposure to the different philosophies that we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, was was enlightening to me. I mean, I don't I don't remember thinking at that point, oh man, I've been enlightened because I'm seeing different uh, different looking people on the bridge of the Enterprise. But I can tell you, uh, as I was developing a very different political philosophy than my dad at the time, that was just reinforcing the the philosophy that I had. I mean, I. I went to high school uh, in, in 1968, and, you know, that was the first time that I'd ever been around someone of a different color. I mean, it, it, with, any, with any length of time, you know. And so I was getting exposed to uh, people with different backgrounds from me at the same time that Star Trek was showing me. I mean, I started high school in 1968, right? So, so uh, Star Trek was showing me that, that uh, hey, you know, it's possible that you can live and work uh, with people that don't look the same. And, and on, you know, and on the show itself, uh, you know, other than a, an occasional episode where characters outside of 
uh, of the core crew make, might make mention of, of, of the way they might look differently. None of them ever made mention that, oh, you're a different color than me or you have a different background than I do, you know. Uh, it was very, uh, it was, it was just not a subject to be discussed. And, and I was developing that same philosophy and I'm, I think for sure that it, it definitely influenced me, you know, probably more, much more so than I would think very subtly at the time. Yes. For me, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, but I was not good at math or science. So I needed to find something else, uh, I, I, that I could do. And I think, you know, because when you love something like Star Trek and you, you watch the episodes, but then you read a lot of like behind the scenes stuff and you watch all these specials, you know, but, and then liking the kind of genre stuff that I, that I do and did when I was younger and still do, obviously, I think that a lot of that kind of encouraged me to kind of, to look uh, like, oh, okay, well, who, who makes all these things and how, and how do you, you know, like the, there was this great episode of Reading Rainbow that, that came out when I was a kid and it was like uh, LeVar Burton on the Enterprise, because he was like, hey, I'm on Star Trek, too. And, and it kind of shows you how they made the show and all that. And I thought that, I always thought that was really cool. And they, that kind of, you know, among other, like, we've always been kind of like had multimedia around, you know, like cameras and, you know, photography and all that's been a thing in our family. So I kind of like, kind of maybe move me more towards like, oh, well, let me, let me, this is a hobby now to kind of to do multimedia. And now it's like it's literally my career. You know, like I said, I'm a photographer. So um, the whole kind of like, uh, being so interested in how stuff the stuff you love is made can kind of inspire you to kind of follow certain career paths and find find what works for you because you know I was also I also I started out more as like a journalist side of things like you know newspaper in college and things like that but I kind of slowly morphed over like into multimedia and, and broadcast TV and, and and media production and a lot of that was because like oh man this, you know I, I I know what these roles are on a show and I know post production like I know all these terms I was kind of ahead of the curve because I had read so many behind the scenes things, a lot of stuff about Star Trek. So that kind of gave me a jump start of like, cause when you're passionate about something, it can carry you a long way in your career. So I think that's probably the, the biggest impact that, that I can find and, and Star Trek's had on me. Uh, when's your fan film coming out? <laughs> you know, I don't think we're allowed to make those anymore, Tim. I, <laughs> yeah. Five minutes, like 15 minutes long, only one part. No one who worked on Star Trek can be on it. So I'll see if I can fit those criteria sometime. Great. All right, Greg, tough question. Who's your captain? You know the answer to that. It's Kirk. All right, why? I mean, he's the captain of the Enterprise. I mean, it's just uh, that he was the first, uh, not that, you know, to knock any further captains. Um, they all have their, their attributes. But, I mean, he, when you look at, at the way he was portrayed uh, by William Shatner uh, over the years, it's a very, very multifaceted character. He gets labeled, you know, with with uh, with uh, uh, being a ladies' man. I know in uh, Zach's podcast, he's he's pointed out a number of times. You know, there's a lot fewer episodes that he's actually, you know, being a ladies' man than you that you might think. Uh, he, you know, earlier in the series, he was sort of a by the book captain. You know, he he kind of followed the follow the rules and and obviously. Uh, trampled all over the prime directive later on uh, in 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 the series but uh, he he was uh not only you know was he um uh caring about his crew but i mean he he followed the rules and regs you know to as much as the writers would let him and he had you know uh, a lot of uh, of times where he was you know asking himself hey is this the right thing to have done you know did i really do this uh 
should I have made that decision? Or in, in those episodes where he was affected by some outward influences, you know, some of his inner fears came out. And I think that was a very interesting way to portray that. And I'm sure other, other uh, versions of Star Trek have done that, but I think none, none so well as the original series. And that's why he's my favorite. Yeah. Very good. Zach, the co-host of uh, standard orbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Kirk as well. Uh, I mean, just because just the, the many facets of his character, you know, and, and I like, I kind of like his evolution more so than the other captains. Like he's like the reverse of Picard. Cause like when he was younger, he was like a by the book guy who was doing, you know, didn't break the rules, but then as he got older, you know, and he's like, well, you know, <laughs> I can reinterpret some rules. Like in the movies really is when he was like, well, my friends are more important than the rules. So I'm going to go out on a limb and, and hey, what happens happens, but my friends and family are more important. That kind of thing, or or like doing the right thing is more important than the rules. And e- even if you know people disagree about what the right thing would do, what you know he had the experience to to make a, a smart decision, not a reckless decision, right? Sometimes he was reckless, and but uh, he's a bad rap for that, I think. But you know, based off the information he had, he made the right decision, uh, as opposed to like just following the rule book. You know, he was never just following orders, and and so there's that factor, and then just just the charm and the charisma of him that Shatner brought to the role. Like he's just so enjoyable to watch. He's like the most fun captain to watch. You know, he has got a twinkle in his eye all the time and he really enjoys being the captain. You know, I, mean, I think more than any of the other captains, he, he enjoys it more. Uh, and, and that translates through it. And, and, and that's why you want to go on these adventures with him. Very good. Very good. Yeah. As a, as you being a child of next generation, that kind of surprises me that I thought maybe you'd say Picard. Well, you know, well, you know, next generation. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, Data is my favorite character on Next Gen, but he's probably my second favorite character in Star Trek after Kirk. So, very good. All right, we got to move on. But I just uh, somebody on the internet is going to bring this up. So I have so young Kirk is the, is the is the rule follower. How, how did Kirk pass the Kobayashi Maru? <laughs> Well, see, well, that's kind of a retcon, you know, because that's that's in the movies, you know. If you just watch the show first, so Nicholas Meyer obviously was caught up in these <laughs> these cultural uh, uh, stereotypes about Kirk. But I, I I see your point taken. I see your point. So, okay, so you already told us, so you, you gave it away. But who, both of you, who is your favorite character in in Star Trek? And it doesn't have to be the captain. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about this, and I was actually trying to. Th- choose someone else other than Kirk, you know? Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you my answer as Kirk, but you know, as I think it through the whole, the whole Troika, the, the Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Troika, they did so much to, uh, help you understand who the other ones were. I mean, we would never know the many facets, at least that I can, you know, that I can tell of Jim Kirk, of Spock and, and of McCoy, you would never know the many facets of their characters without the other two. So I'm definitely going to, if I had to answer Kirk, uh, I would say that, but you know, if I had, if I could, if I could expand on it, I, I would say that those, uh, the, the, the Troika there would just seeing those three guys together was just always more fun than seeing one of them together necessarily. Yeah. They made, they made each other better. I think the three of them. Yeah. I'll be you, Zach. Favorite character. Yes. Yeah, for me, you know, I, I got to go with data because, you know, growing up watching next generation, like, you're learning how to be a human being and data's learning how to be a human being. So it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you're kind of figuring out how to be a person the way he is. And he, you know, that, and that's the journey of star Trek, like learning to be human. And as he's learning to be human. And, and although it's a terrible episode, 
It's a terrible episode of Next Generation. That episode Hero Worship, where that kid wants to be Data. I was like, oh, yeah, that's like me. But again, it was a bad episode, so I kind of like, <laughs> kind of ruined the whole thing. But uh, but that, that's what, ultimately, I think that's what Data is my, my favorite character. And as a kid, he's like, he's super smart. He's super strong. Like, he's all the things you want to be. Uh, he's like the superhero of Next Generation. So that's, that's probably why I gravitate towards him as my favorite Star Trek character. Okay. Well, this next question, I think we probably already answered. It's your favorite series, which probably would go with your captains. Would that be true? Yep. That that would be the uh, original series for me. You know, I've gotten in trouble with this on the internet before because, yeah, I, I do host the original series podcast. Now, uh, I like the original series movies better than the Next Generation movies, but uh, I, I will have to say Next Generation is my favorite series because it's it's the one I grew up with. It's like... It's like if you if you just want to wrap yourself in a blanket of Star Trek and some comfort food Star Trek, Next Generation is always the one I go to uh, for for many reasons. But I, I that that's the one that I that was that I grew up with, and I'm the most comfortable with, and and I and is my is my favorite. So if I had to choose, now TOS is solid number two, and I love D Space Nine too. Just throwing that out there. But Next Gen, if I had to pick a favorite, it's Next Gen. Okay, great. I had never thought about watching Data learn to be human as you're growing up and going through adolescence and learning to be human. That's a really cool connection that I'd never made before. I like that a lot. Um, so your favorite series is is the original series and um, Next Gen. What about your favorite ships? Do those match up? Yeah, I mean, my favorite ship has, uh, has seven characters in its name, and that's NCC-1701. No bloody A, no bloody B, no bloody. <laughs> no bloody. Stop with the consonants on the end, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with with that as well. But the the refit version. Do you like the re, the movie version, or the TV show version better, Dad? TV show. I, I'm gonna go with the the movie version, the the refit uh, version of the Enterprise, because I think it's like it's because the Enterprise is great, but that made it greater, and it's a beautiful ship. And even the A, which is basically the original refit too. So that that that's my favorite design Enterprise ship. What about favorite alien ship? Uh, why don't you answer that? Let me think about it for a second. That's that's tough, man. Um, Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I guess I guess I would have to go with the the Klingon bird of prey uh, because it's probably the second most you know. Uh, prolific ship in the franchise because we got it's in all it's in a lot of the shows becomes their ship in one of the movies it can land that's pretty cool has a cloaking device so it's like if i had to pick a ship that would probably be my ship it just seems the most functional and the most cool it's really cool looking too so i'm gonna go with that one the tholian ship oh nice i like that one of my one of my favorite episodes I don't know. Did they give a clearer version when when Okuda did the 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 cleanups of the episodes? I don't remember. Yeah, you know, honestly, the the original version is better than the refit, <laughs> the remaster because the original version looks like a crystal. Right. But when they did the remaster, they're like, let's make it all gray, and I'm like, no, that's not no, that's <laughs> supposed to be a crystal. So yeah, that, that's that's a good pick. Now, do you have a favorite uh, episode of a series? Doesn't have to be, you know, TOS could be anything you want. Well, mine will be TOS. Shocking, um, you know. I I all when when someone asks me that, my my knee jerk response is, and it and it's and it's right. It's be, it's you know one of the most unStar Trek but most Star Trek episodes, which is the city on the edge of forever. Um, I always love that for a lot of reasons. My favorite, my favorite, well, one of my favorite reasons is 
Joan Collins. It's the only time. Pardon me? Joan Collins. Yeah, right. Yeah, Joan Collins before Jones Collins, but Jones Collins um, was was the very end where they actually the only four letter word that's ever spoken in TOS, right? When he says, let's get the hell out of here. And uh, to me, that's just, I mean, I have seen that, that episode, I don't know, certainly tens of times, probably close to a hundred. And that still puts a little chill down my spine when he, when he says that. So, and then I've got to throw in one other that just popped into my head that if it came on at any time, I would watch it. And that's journey to Babel. I, I just, I just think it's uh it's the it's a cool episode and you know it's if you really start to you know understand uh, about Spock's background and of course the whole thing at the end where you know where 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 Kirk is saving his life or or Spock's saving his dad's life there's all kind of uh you know inter- and speaking of generational things going on there right that uh that always moves me it just always moves me so I, I broke the question a little bit, but I had to get in the, the plug for Journey to Babel. Oh, great. I, I would give you a blood transfusion if you needed it. Ed. <laughs> so, yeah, for, for me, um, I, you know, I, I'm going to go with uh, Yesterday's Enterprise of Next Generation because I think it's just such a great episode. And it's it, it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I joke about Star Trek being time trek a lot because I think everybody's like favorite episodes are the, all these time travel episodes. Uh, and it's, it's true though. You can do so many, so much cool stuff with time travel and, and yesterday's enterprise. I mean, you get the alternate enterprise D and you get the old enterprise C. So it's kind of like the TOS movie era, which is my favorite era of Star Trek. So you get some of that in there, even though their uniforms keep getting less and less, like there's no undershirts anymore out of this. Gotta be uncomfortable to wear those uniforms like that. But, um, but the stakes, so they get so high at the end, you get, you know, and, and you actually like, this is how a real space battle would go, you know, uh, you know, where the ship's blowing up and, and you see so many of the crew die, you know, the next gen, like Riker gets blown up by those rocks that are always in the, always in the consoles for some reason. Uh, but then, you know, some of the, one of the best lines of Star Trek is Picard, and you know, he's like, let history never forget the name Enterprise. You're like, yeah, they use that in all like the trailers and stuff. And I, that's why they, they do it. It has such a great ending too with Picard. Like the whole bridge is on fire and, and they're like, you surrender. He's like, I'm not going to. And he's like firing the phasers and like, man, that's a great ending. I'm like, I wish, I wish Kirk would have gone out that way. Right. Like, like guns blazing on a fiery bridge instead of falling off a bridge. But, uh, that's, uh, that's why I'm going to go with yesterday's enterprise as my favorite episode. Okay. Well, Greg, are you fans of the movies? Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm, you know, much more of a fan of the, uh, original series movies, if you will. I mean, to me, the, <clears throat> I could sit and watch Star Trek two and three together, you know, I mean, I, I probably haven't sat and watched them for years, but I would still just have a have a blast watching them. Um, you know, the the total overacting of Ricardo Montalban is is perfect for Star Trek too. Uh, and then you know the, the revival of Spock, the whole the whole transition Spock goes through. Um, definitely, those are my two favorite movies. Okay, how about you, Zach? Yeah, for me, it, it's Star Trek Three. I don't know if it's the first one I saw. Maybe that's why I like it so much. It's probably because we always had we had the tapes, like the the tape that we actually wore out the tapes of the movies. I had to get new ones at some point. But uh, Star Trek Three for me, I've said it many times around Standard Orbit. It's like Mission Impossible meets Star Trek. It has the whole family element. That's the thing that I keep gravitating towards with my my Star Trek fan. They're I'm all working together, stealing the Enterprise is like the best scene in any of the movies. The music there is great. And, uh, yeah, I just love Star Trek three. I think Christopher Lloyd is great as a Klingon. A lot of people don't like him, but I, I think he's perfect. You, you get them fighting on a planet that's like blowing up at the end. It's a really cool, uh, finale. And then I have had enough of you. That's iconic. Kicking him in the face. Who hasn't had people in their life? You want to do that too. And, uh, 
I think you know two, three, and four are like this unintentional trilogy, and so those together um, just make a great like the 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 best set of Star Trek movies. I think you said two and three. I get it. Four. I didn't really like four as much when I was a kid because I wanted like space action adventure. But now that I'm older, like I can really appreciate the comedy and the whole fish out of water stuff, and and so I, I rank it up there with the other two now as well. Yeah, watching those three in a row really makes sense too. It's yeah, very good. So we know you guys love Star Trek together, but do you have disagreements about Trek? Do you have a big disagreement between each other about something that has to do with Star Trek? Any fight? I, I can't think of anything. No, I. I, I really, I mean, I listen to his, uh, I listen to his podcast. Uh, I, I won't say there aren't times that I roll my roll my eyes every now and then when something is said, but I mean, nothing, nothing really, really that I can think of that we've disagreed on. I think, I think the only thing we the, that we need to get you on to is D Space Nine because I know that, that that you, I'm always telling him that you should watch D Space Nine. He he, did, he stopped watching D Space Nine back in the day, but. Well, yeah, now I'll get in trouble now with, you know, Deep Space Nine. But to, to, to me, they, whenever a series has a character on it that has, that has almost unlimited potential to get them out of every jam, to me, that was Deep Space Nine's Odo, right? I mean, to me, he was a character that could do almost, you know, it will get them out of every jam that, <laughs> that happened, but they never used his character. You know, it's like when you're a kid and you're, you're reading a Superman comics and you go, well, wait a minute. He could use his X-ray vision to see that, right? But of course, the writers, you know, make you temporarily, you know, suspend a belief in that. So, but anyway, no, I would agree. Deep Space Nine is something that he and and uh, and his good friend Lance are big fans of. And I need to sit and give it a, give it a fair shot and watch the whole uh, the whole series. But yeah, that that I would agree with that. Yeah, Greg, I, I'd have to agree with you too because watching DS Nine on its first run, it's not the positive, uplifting show that. I think of when I think of Star Trek and I'm right now doing a DS nine rewatch. I'm in the middle of season four and I'm really okay. enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. So if you give it, give it a shot, I mean, it's, it's I think being older and, right. looking at it and seeing the rest of Star Trek as it's gone through, you know, all right. Pressure's on you now, Tim. Thanks a lot for that. Sure. We'll have you on after you, uh, after you watch the whole <laughs> thing and we'll do a review. How has your fandom changed over the years? Well, um, gosh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I would watch re- I would watch the uh, the repeats of Star Trek in my college years. So I was I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I was up there uh, seventy two to seventy six, and and this is you know they were just starting to do a lot of reruns, and a lot of people were watching the shows for the first time. You know. Of course, I was sitting there mouthing all the lines and <laughs> in the shows, and I got—I really got tired of Star Trek. You know, it was just like it was the same ones over and over again. And of course, when the movies came out, I—I uh, I got excited about it. But honestly, the last few years, I've just sort of lost interest. Uh, uh, some of the newer shows, not really interested in the newer—the newer, the newer uh, 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 what do you call it—the Kelvin timeline. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. But okay, the, you know, the alternate timeline series. Uh, but honestly, uh, to, to, to give due credit to, to my son here, just read list or listening to his podcast and hear all the guests that he brings on board and, and talks about different aspects of the show that I'd never really thought about. I mean, you know, you, you, you think about stuff that you've I've probably forgotten more about Star Trek than, than most people know, probably the same with you, Tim, 
But but as I sit and get and, and hear it through fresh eyes, younger eyes like Zach's, uh, it, it, it's it's reinvigorated it. It's re- reinvigorated it. And and boy, going to that Star Trek uh, fifty convention <laughs> back back in uh, sixteen, uh, that was a real eye opener. Uh, that was a real eye opener. I'll talk more about that when we when that convention question comes up. Yes, for me, it, when you watch Star Trek as a kid, it's like, oh, it's a fun action adventure, you know, space show. Uh, and then you rewatch it because, because you know, because I watched it at such a young age, and and now I guess I'm as I get older, I rewatch episodes, and you kind of see it through a different point of view because you've lived life, you know. So you can, like Star Trek, I said said this before uh, talking about Star Trek. You know, Star Trek is kind of what you bring to it. You know, it's like your life experiences up to that point. So you can. You can watch an episode when you're when you're eight, and then watch it when you're 28, and have a totally different feeling, or it could it could hit all these different emotional chords or buttons with you, and that's and that's and that's good art, you know. That's what that's a, and that's why Star Trek endures like this because you can revisit it and be like, oh wow, I, I didn't even that that's uh, I made me hit me in this in, in the feels this time, and it meant nothing to me before because I've lived life and I can relate to this or that, and and you know, and like I said, that goes with any fiction, but I think Star Trek that it, it's so it covers so much ground about like human condition and all that you know it's bound to uh different points of your life it's bound to affect you in, in different ways now, and also now being a podcaster where you talk about star trek so i'm sure that's changed your opinion because yeah. you've got other hosts on there that are giving their opinions as well and gives you a different food for thought yeah that's true like when you uh, yeah when you have to uh quote unquote have to right but when you when you talk about star trek on a weekly basis you really have to look at it from different points of view and, and kind of uh, go into corners that you never even thought about before and reconsider it from it. It's, it's definitely a different mindset when you're watching it as a podcaster where your primary function is to discuss it and just being a fan, enjoying it. And there are definitely pros and cons on both sides of it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point that, that is, that has changed my, uh, my viewing and, and assimilation, if you will, about Star Trek for sure. Has it made you less excited to watch Star Trek that you have to analyze it now? You know, I, I find ways as as people have listened to Stan Orbit will know. Like, I find ways to, to to find new angles about it, and so that kind of forces you to to have some more fun with it than otherwise. Uh, like like for example, right as of, around the time we're recording this, uh, we just getting off a series where we retitled every episode of the original series with a uh, Next Generation Rick Berman era titles, and so that was a lot of fun. And that's unless and unless I had a podcast where I had to come up with a topic that's unique and fresh and fun to talk about, I probably never would have done that. And then it ended up being a lot of fun for, uh, for everybody uh, who participated and the listeners seem to have a lot of good time with it too. So, so yeah, that, it kind of forces you to, to have, to have more fun than you might otherwise would have. And you recently had me on and we talked about the Voyager space probe. That's right. So you got way to self plug there, Tim, uh, that, uh, <laughs> As you know, I don't know episode titles or numbers. You know, Ken always gives me a hard time about that. But that was a fun episode because we got to talk about NASA and like real, you know, space history and, and the space program and all the facets that went with that. So again, the, the, the opportunities to see where life intersects with Star Trek, you know, and, and where you can jut off a conversation here. There, we're not just talking about you know every episode down the road. We're talking about the cool all, all ways that uh, everything that branches off Star Trek. So that, that's a, that's a great point about talking about NASA and Voyager with you. Great point. Yeah, it was fun. So you both have mentioned learning things, but probably unintentionally from Star Trek. Is there anything that you think that Star Trek has really taught you that was 
was a lesson that either was one of those time bomb lessons where you don't realize that you're being taught it until later and then something clicks and you're like, oh my gosh, I learned this from Star Trek and I didn't even realize it. Or even as you're watching the show, you're processing information and you're actually learning something from this television show. Well, this is going to be a weird answer and this is a, a literary answer. It's that it's that Star Trek, the original series, was, and as you'll probably remember, Tim, the first hard science fiction show that was not tongue-in-cheek on television. I mean, there was so much science fiction garbage coming out. You know, I mean, Lost in Space was a perfect example of a really cool concept you know, that went downhill, I think, after the first credits rolled. You know, it was such a disappointment that they were treating that subject matter with such disrespect, in my opinion, right? It was kind of like when, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, again, I'm a child of the 60s. It's like when Batman came out. I was so pumped when the Batman TV series came out. And I was so, I was so aghast that it was done you know, in the way that it was done with the pow bang stuff. I mean, I still watch, it was a comic book, but I was more into, you know, the, the serious part of the comic books. You know, you certainly saw pow bang wham, but it was some serious subject matter that went on even back then in detective comics, you know, anyway, my point is, is that it was such a divergent thing in 1966, 67, 68 to have a serious, to have a show on that dealt with serious matters, but still had enough techno babble and fun things. And, and for the 1960s, pretty cool special effects, even though they look pretty, you know, ancient now for that time, they were pretty cool special effects. It was such a, a sea change for me. It was like a breath of fresh air. And I hoped at the time, Oh, this is going to mean more and more great science fiction. Nope. It didn't happen on television for a long time. Uh, uh, and of course with the, with the advent of, uh, of cable TV and lots of other things happening in the, in the last few decades, that's changed. But, um, I just thought I'd give a sort of a, a, a tangential answer there. It taught me that good science fiction, just like with books, good science fiction for television is rare. It was rare then it's less rare now, thankfully, but it's still rare. Yes, for me, uh, I, I definitely had like a, a better understanding of like science and an expanded vocabulary from watching Star Trek at, at such a young age. You know, I mean, like, all these three, four, five, six syllable words that they're saying. I think just on a on a really basic level, you know, Star Trek kind of, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'd watch cartoons and other like quote unquote normal kid stuff too. Uh, but having Star Trek be such like a big part of you know what I would watch and read when I was younger, definitely like you know. Uh, ele- elevated your, you know, I, that sounds so pretentious, but I feel like I was smarter because I watched Star Trek. I mean, I really do. Um, because it, I mean, they used, it was based off real science. It wasn't magic, you know, it was the, and you're learning cool concepts about like space travel and light years and, you know, and, and are communicators and transporters possible and all these, you know, all these cool technologies and, 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 
I think there's a lot, there's a lot of weight to you know the, the fact that a lot of people who are in NASA now, Tim, as you know, they were Star Trek fans like yourself. You know, like that's like you guys wanted to see the Star Trek future happen, so you went and you joined NASA. You made it happen. And if I were smarter at science and as I say, I'm, I'm smarter watching Star Trek. If I was smarter at science and math, maybe I would have done it too. But um, like, yeah, I think I think that's and and, and then. It's also like a modern day like parable, you know, like Aesop's ta- Aesop's fables, like human condition stories, you know, just about like being a better person and being part of a society and doing the right thing. I mean, I, these are these are basic things, but not every form of entertainment has those kind of messages, but told in entertaining ways. And I think that's that's a huge plus of Star Trek. Very good. Those are good answers. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I like especially they kind of connect a lot because Star Trek really as opposed to a lot of other science fiction, never winked at the audience. It was never talking down to the audience. It was always, we're going to take this really seriously and you have to pay attention. We believe that you're a smart audience, so you are going to follow along and you're going to come with us. And a lot of those other shows didn't do that. I really like that connection. That's super. All right. Um, Conventions. Oh, wait, here we go. Sorry. Yeah, you guys there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Conventions. Uh, you you wanted to talk about that, Greg? <clears throat> yeah, I mentioned it a couple of times, but uh, I have to tell you the the first I was thinking about the first Star Trek convention that I went to. I think it was nineteen seventy seven. It may have been earlier than that. It was in Houston, uh, and. Um, it was at this old hotel that doesn't even exist anymore. And, you know, I think they had like one or two exhibit rooms with these really long, thin rooms. And it was just a, a people with, you know, with, with uh, three by eight tables set up with, you know, Star Trek stuff on it. You know, I guess maybe a few vendors. And I, I would assume there were probably a few Vulcan ears being worn at that, uh, which I probably roll my eye. No, I was never, I was never a cosplay guy. I just never have been. Um, uh, and so I just remember, you know, that, and then fast, and I probably went to a few more after that. I don't really remember, but fast forward to what I've mentioned before, 2016, have you guys been to the the Star Trek Las Vegas? Oh my gosh. Star Trek Las Vegas is ours. Doug and mine's fishing trip every year. It's the one time we can get together because he's got kids and it's our, it's our thing to do together. Well, I mean, we went, uh, uh, and, uh, Zach's, one of Zach's best friends went. And so I got to experience it with them. And, uh, I guess my biggest revelation is that my son had groupies on the internet that, that followed him around and talked to him because he had a, he had a podcast. I'm like, wow, is that how that works now? <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was kind of fun to see him interact with people that he had never even, somebody never even met before, you know, that it first, first time. And, um, yeah, just seeing, you know, seeing all those people there, you know, multi-generations was really cool. You know, not only, you know, people our age, Tim, but obviously, you know, our son's ages, but even younger and their kids, you know. So we're, you know, we're probably kind of reaching into the fourth generation of kids, right? I mean, uh, the older Star Trek fans probably have uh, – Probably have great having young great grandchildren now that are that are going to be uh, Star Trek fans. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been to a very few conventions, but uh, boy, that one in Las Vegas, especially of course the one that was 50th anniversary, 
Wow. 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 What, and you know, anyone wondering to ever go to that? Yeah, go to it. it it's a blast. And you know, you guys, were you guys at 2016? Okay. So I, we, we, we must've, I mean, <laughs> I know cause, cause, uh, you know, we, we hung out a lot at, at, uh, at 2018 when I went back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's when we kind of like really became friends, I think, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, to, to, your, to your point, dad, yeah, the, the Star Trek convention in 20, uh, 2016 in Las Vegas was huge. I, uh, I remember, uh, I, we went to a couple when I was younger here in Houston, I wore like a costume and that kind of stuff. Uh, I, uh, my, uh, mom made made me a costume. Uh, Next generation, Next Generation season one. I had a I had a red and a green, so I could be uh, Riker or Data if I so choose. But uh, there there there's yes there there are photographs. Yeah, so I'll I'll have to pull those out. But uh, but yeah, so you know a couple smaller ones here. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, obviously the big one in, in Las Vegas, and that was uh, it, it's funny. It's like you think you're a Star Trek fan, right? And then you show up, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it's like the kid who's like the Valley Victorian in his high school, and he goes to college, and everybody was a Valley Victorian. It feels that way when you go to Star Trek Las Vegas because everybody is like, you know, they, they they. I thought I knew all the episodes names in order, but I guess I don't, and you do. So good t- hats off to you. But and it's uh, the conventions, you know, that we found, you know, it's really cool to to obviously you meet the, you know, sometimes meet the stars, see the stories they tell, that kind of stuff, but. Uh, and that's like kind of like the excuse to go, but ultimately, I think that the coolest thing is like sitting around and and, and connecting with people, you know, and, and meeting like you know guys like you and Doug, you know, and uh, lots of our other friends from Trek FM and beyond that we've met uh, at these conventions. And they're just fun kind of excuses to get together and geek out together, and then and, and then just talk about you know whatever. Like it's, it, we don't just talk about Star Trek all the time while <laughs> while we're there because there's plenty of other things to discuss, but. Um, it's just a great excuse. Like it's a big family reunion, right? I guess that's the best way to, to, to describe those, those, especially the ones in Las Vegas. Actually, yes, I, I am going this year. So I'll be back. Uh, Ken will be back from standard orbit. Uh, my friend Lance will be back as well. So, uh, we're going to have a good old time in, in Las Vegas again. So this is uh, three out of four years that I've gone. So that's a, that, that's how good it is guys. Yeah. You say, I, I know you guys aren't making it this year. So, no. Oh, well. No, I have a brand new child. I don't think that would go well if I was like, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> uh, yeah, good uh, good move, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> then I would have a really good answer for what's the biggest fight you've ever had about Star Trek? <laughs> um, so when, um, Greg, when you think about Zach's interest in Star Trek, um, how do you feel about that? What do you, what do you think about that? You kind of laughed at him having groupies that, at conventions, but... What else is there? Yeah, could you repeat that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, when you think about Zach's um, interest in Star Trek, how does that how does that make you feel? What do you think about that? Well, you know what? I just think it's really cool. I, uh, you know, it was one of my, you know, it was my favorite television show. Uh, in the 1960s and the fact that uh, my son you know, not, only, not only liked it but has enjoyed it so much to the point where he you know spends some of his time uh, you know in his own way promoting the show and talking to other people that, that like it I, I just think it's just one of the coolest things ever I have to say I'm just I'm very I'm very proud that he's uh, he stayed uh, connected to it because I think it's a, it's a worthy subject to stay connected to Zach, what about you? 
when you think about your dad's interest in Trek. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool that this is like cultural touchstone, you know, uh, you can be like, hey, what were things like in the 60s when, when Star Trek was on and that kind of stuff. So it kind of, uh, Star Trek's like such a big piece of like, you know, American history. Again, to sound pretentious, right? But that's, you know, I'm a podcaster about Star Trek. Of course I sound pretentious, but uh, I, I just think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's cool how it's like that this like, Again, this legacy has been passed down, and like just you know, because it's it's fifty years old and it's still going strong. I mean, what other franchises are like that? I mean, you can count on one hand the, the amount of pop culture uh, that is that is so prevalent and that has gone through the generations. It hasn't just been a fad. So, so it's it's so cool to kind of share in this this multi generational thing. We know uh, your mom was into Star Trek. How about you have a girlfriend, Zach, a fiance? Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, my, my girlfriend is not into Star Trek at all. Uh, so, so this, you know, this is funny, you know, uh, this will tie into a question later. He asked about Star Trek Discovery. So, so I'll save it for that. But I, I did get her to sit down and watch the first episode of Discovery with me. And, uh, and spoiler, she, she's still not a Star Trek fan. But, uh, anyway. Um, so how do you guys consume Trek? Like, there's a million books and, and, and comic books and fanfics and all kinds of stuff. Are we, are we straight TV show movies or do we go deeper than that? I, I am basically straight TV movies. Zach has pointed me to a few fan flicks, I guess, as it Star Trek continues. Uh, I was really, I am really, was really and am really impressed with Star Trek continues. Uh, I thought that was, and I don't have a lot to compare it to, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, when I first watched it, I had to go, okay, you know, these are this is not, you know, this is not William Shatner, this is not Leonard Nimoy. Let that part go and just watch it, you know, as fresh as you can. I thought those folks just nailed it, and the fact that they that they did some continuing some episodes that tied extremely well. I mean, I don't know that people paid producers could be done a better job. I don't know. Honestly, don't know what the fan reaction was on the internet. Uh, honestly don't care. Uh, but I just thought it was uber, uber cool and well done. So that's that one I could speak to. I know Zach's pointed me to a, a couple of others that I, that I've watched. Uh, I don't really have any memories of, of, of opinions on those, uh, probably cause they just weren't, weren't worth commenting on, but boy, other than Star Trek continues. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a TV show and movies guy. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I, you, you know, you had some books when you were younger, I guess, that I have now inherited. Right, so. right. yes, yes. <laughs> so, like, I have a couple of, you know, a few Star Trek novels from the, uh, that I read when I was younger because Dad had them and gave them to me. And then, I, and then I, as I was younger, I read, you know, some Star Trek comic books and some occasional Star Trek novels. And, like, I, I don't, like, read every single novel, but especially nowadays. But I know we, we used to go, go to Half Price Books sometimes to get, like, a, a few Star Trek novels uh, for discount for me to read over the summer and stuff like that. So, yeah, beyond the TV shows, definitely, you know, comic books, uh, novels. Uh, actually, you know, IDW is doing some great stuff with the comics. I, I pick up sometimes the, the collected graphic novels when they come out in their collection. So I think they're doing some great stuff with the Star Trek name right now. And they out, and then, yeah, as far as fan films go, Star Trek continues. You know, I mean, you know Tim, you know, we've had the opportunity to, to meet a lot of the people behind Star Trek continues. They're great people, great Star Trek fans. And it's really a labor of love, and they do a great job. So, yeah, if anybody's looking for more original series Star Trek, go check out Star Trek Continues, because if you squint in your eyes, you're going to think you're watching the original series. They do an A-plus job. 
Oh, everything. It's the gold standard of fan films. It really is. I mean, even the lighting that they use in the episodes is how they did it in TOS. It's really wild. Mm-hmm. Okay. Discovery. Do we watch Discovery? What do we think of it? Uh, well, the answer is, uh, do I watch? The answer is no. Uh, I watched the first episode, and uh, when I found out that uh, the folks at CBS wanted me to pay to watch more episodes, uh, I chose not to. So I've heard some commentary from the young man on my left here, uh, but that's really all I, all I know about it. So I am not watching Discovery, and I'll turn it over to Zach for that rest of that answer. So, I mean, yeah, I think it was a bad move to show the first part of a two-part series premiere for free and then tell you had to go watch the second one and had to pay for it. I understand the paywall. I understand that, like, the show would not exist without CVS All Access, and right? That's what funds the production. But if you're going to show me the show, like, show me the show. Don't show me half of something. And also, to speak on—then I'll get to my answer, sorry. But then also, just to speak on this— the third episode should have been the first episode, and I feel like that would have hooked a lot more people in because you get to see the Discovery, the crew. It's actually a really good episode, uh, but no, a lot of people didn't get there. You know, Dad didn't get there. To my point earlier about my girlfriend, we sat down, we were like, hey, there's a new Star Trek show. It's the first show in uh, 10 years. It's been off television. I can't wait to see it. And so we sit down and we watch it, and we're both like, well, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't very good. <laughs> and uh, like, I really don't, I don't, care for the first two episodes of Discovery. I think the first season got a lot better after those first two episodes. Uh, and actually, that night, I actually, we watched Conspiracy Next Generation. I'm like, here, we're going to show you a real Star Trek episode now uh, <laughs> that we can both enjoy. But um, as for Discovery, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm going to keep watching. Um, uh, if anyone listens to Standard Orbit, they know I have some, some hot takes on it, especially how it's uh, kind of tied itself to the original series. Uh, but I'm very excited interested to see what they do next season when they've, they've literally gone light years and away from the original series for season three. So I think like a lot of Star Trek series in the past, perhaps it can kind of find its own voice and own identity in the third season because I want discover, I want to enjoy Discovery. I want it to be good because if it's good, that's good for Star Trek and I love Star Trek. So that's where I fall on Discovery in a nutshell. Okay. All right. And that leads us into the next question about what you're looking forward to with the future of Star Trek, because like you said, season three looks like it's going to be a big departure from the first two seasons. Uh, we just got a new beautiful poster for the card series. that's coming up. It was the actual best captain. Um, not that anybody's wrong for saying Kirk is just Picard's the right answer. So that's going to be a super cool show. I think uh, we got the cartoons coming up. So what are you guys looking forward to? Well, I get I get most of my information about what's coming up from Zach. So it was funny you mentioned that post because literally we were at dinner earlier, and he pulled the the he pulled out his phone and showed me the poster of Picard with his dog. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they're getting like you know people that love Star Trek and people that love dogs, man. They're you know they, they knocked that one out of the park, right? You know, um, so that's I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the Picard series. I, I was a uh, uh, I was a fan of the next generation because I mean, that was, you know, that was the next foray into the Star Trek universe. And, you know, as we look back on it, uh, you know, they did a really good job with it. You know, it was, it was, uh, it had its, uh, you know, it, it had its, its, its warts on it. Like every, like every TV show does. But I think um, to give credit where credit's due, Doug, you know, 
Picard, okay, he's the second best captain. I'll go along with that. But, but I mean, he's much loved. He's, I mean, much loved, certainly much loved by my son and by every other fan of TNG that I know of. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope they do. A, I hope they do a great job with it. And I guess it's going to be behind the paywall too. Is that is that right? So, I'll have to. I'll have to secretly abscond with my with my son's login and maybe watch one or two episodes of that and and hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely Picard is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I really, I really hope that they they do the character justice. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a scary thing to go back to things. I mean, I know we've gone back to Star Wars. We got a sequel trilogy we never thought we were going to get, and that's been very divisive. So apparently, all all fandom is divisive these days. Maybe that's just the times we live in, but. Uh, I have high hopes for Picard. Uh, Patrick Stewart coming back is—I never thought we'd see him as Picard again. He's—he's he's become Professor X now to the world. I never thought we'd see him in a uniform again. So uh, very excited, and I definitely hope we see some cameos from the rest of the crew of the ship. I mean, they're all friends in real life. Jonathan Frakes is directing episodes. I would be shocked if we didn't see uh, some something from them. And, and hey, he's got a dog, so hopefully it's not a John Wick situation. Yeah, because I don't want to see that. But uh, <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm extremely excited for Picard and can't wait for that to come out. I'm wait for that to come out. That's great. Well, is there any additional information you'd like to share with our listeners? Additional information? Oh, I have I have one additional information that we just we, I, there was so much to talk about we didn't talk about it. Um, so Star Trek: The Experience. Okay, this was a, this is a nice trip for for me and Dad. Um, so I, I had uh, I was just about to graduate college, and we we usually we would go on like a trip together every every summer, try to go somewhere, and it turns out uh, this was two thousand eight, and Star Trek: The Experience was going to close, and I was like, we have to go to this; it's going to close, <laughs> and it's been open for ten years. We never got a chance to go; we have to go. And so I'd never been to Las Vegas; I just turned twenty one. So we went together to the Hilton, uh, and uh, and it was it was an amazing experience, right? It was. It was. Have you did you guys uh, were able to were able to see that? Tim Doug, yeah, I went there a few times. Yeah, yeah, we did that. That was cool. Cork Spar, right? Yeah, Cork Spar, and uh, yeah, yeah, you got into the bridge, of the Enterprise, and there were Klingons and Romulans. And- I was just like, I was blown away by that place. And then, uh, you know, when I heard it was closing, I'm like, well, certainly someone's going to step up, you know, and save this this masterpiece here. You know, I, what what did happen to that anyway? Did- well, it was. It was disassembled and and thrown away, and a lot of people are salvaging parts of it and stuff. But it's it's yeah, it's it's a shame. And they, we got a picture on the bridge of the Enterprise, and uh, I got to tell you that that first when you when the, so people have never been there. I'm sorry, you're never going to experience this. Uh, but like you're in line to get what you think on some like shuttle ride, right? And then the lights go out, and there's just like this rush of air, and they hear the transporter, and you and you have the lights, and you're in the transporter room. I don't, I don't know even know how they did that. I guess they lifted the walls up or something. That was it's unexpected. That was like the coolest thing. You're going down the corridors, and you're on the bridge, and and it was just a super cool thing. And um, it's sad that like it, it the lease ended right before the Abrams movies came out because I think that might have they might have saved it if they had that shot in the arm of the franchise then. But uh, but anyway, that, that was a real cool trip that we went on together, and uh, just specifically went to Vegas to go to this Star Trek thing. Yep, that is very true. Great. Now, how could everybody get a con- get in contact with you if they have questions on standard orbit or email or so so <laughs> so yeah, as for me, uh you can find me on Twitter at moronzach. That's M O O R E O N Z C H. I'm also the host of Standard Orbit, as we talked about a few times here, that Trek FM's original series podcast. We talk about all things Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. Uh 
original show, movies, reboot movies, all that good stuff. And you can find us on Twitter at Shrek FM. And uh, then I'm also the host of another couple of other podcasts. I podcast all the time. This is all I do apparently in my free time. But uh, I am a host of Always Alone the Smallville. We talk about each and every episode, each and every episode of the Young Superman Show uh, from the early 2000s. You can find us on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S. And then finally, uh, Brandon Shamatella, who was uh, on y'all's podcast a few episodes ago with his daughter. Uh, we have a podcast called Franchise Fatigue, where we talk about movies and franchises and reboots and when a franchise gets fatigued. And you can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth. So that's all I do with my life is podcasting. So, Well, I do. Go ahead. I really enjoyed the Toy Story series you did on that as well. Wow, you know, after hearing that, um, I'm, I have a very short answer to that. I, the, 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 you can reach me on Twitter at GCM, cleverly my initials, 2001, which happens to be my favorite movie of all time, by the way. Uh, GCM 2001, and uh, I, I, do, I, do, uh, I do lots of listening on Twitter and very few commenting, but, uh, but certainly uh, the, the issues of, of space is one of my, my loves, so I'm, I'm constantly uh, reading about different uh, news on space, et cetera. So that's the way you can get a hold of me. Great. Well, I really want to thank both of you for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. A lot, a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you later. Well, that was a lot of fun, Doug. What do you think? It was cool. It was nice to have a uh, father and son that's about, I would guess, the same age as us, it sounded like. Yeah. So having their experience and see how it mirrored ours was pretty neat. It was pretty fun, yeah, and talking about how they look at politics and things like that as well. It was fun, yeah. Um, so uh, we already talked about the things that went on in our life, why we've had a little delay in the podcast, but why don't you tell everybody will they, how they get a hold of you? Uh, everybody can get a hold of me at the weird teacher, pretty much anywhere you want to go, except for Facebook. Cause I jump ship on that. Uh, mostly on Twitter at the weird teacher. I talk a lot about teaching, but not just about teaching because man cannot live on education alone. Um, I'm also on the Instagrams. If you want a whole bunch of selfies, currently it's a whole bunch of selfies of me and the brand new baby. Um, and that is also at the weird teacher. I write constantly on my blog. Uh, it's, He's the weird teacher dot blogspot dot com. Um, my most recent one just went up on Monday and it's all about the week long stay uh, in NICU that we just had with my daughter and kind of some reflections on that. Cause it's kind of hard to think when you're in the NICU. Uh, so it was nice to take a week away and then kind of write about that. And I, I've gotten a lot of really nice comments from other was- people who have also had to spend time doing something like that with their kids. And it's this neat little community um that i didn't know existed because i was not part of it until until just now yeah i had a co-worker uh, who just had a grandbaby about six months ago and the, her grandson spent a month in NICU, and so i i gave her the link to your thing and she was crying at work reading it so it, it has an effect on people doug you write really well thank you for putting that out there yeah, the, uh, a week seemed like forever and i've talked to some people it was like a month 90 days and i'm just like i can't I can't even imagine what that would be like. You got to be so strong. And those nurses, like I've said it to them and I've said it a lots of places, but NICU nurses are 
are, are angels who walk the earth. They're the most patient. In, I used to think kindergarten teachers were the most patient people on earth, and it's, it's NICU nurses. They're unreal. They're just inhumanly, wonderfully human uh, and, and calm and patient. They're, they're incredible. Um, and then just to cheapen all of what I just said, uh, you can also buy books that I've written. Uh, I've written a whole bunch of books about education, so you can find all those on Amazon. Uh, he's the weird, you can probably hear my loud children in the background. Uh, he's the weird teacher. Um, the teaching text, you're welcome. And a classroom of one are my three education books. And then I've written a novel called, um, the unforgiving road. Just Google Doug Robertson on Amazon or any of those. And all of those will come up. Great. And you can find me on the Twitter at Tim Robertson 56. I am on the Facebook, so you can just look for me there. Uh, uh, vision pilot. So you go to facebook.com slash vision pilot. That's me. That talks about my motorcycle. And uh, I also have another podcast that I do. It's called the observers notebook. It's a uh, podcast through the uh, association of lunar and planetary observers. And it's if you have an amateur astronomer in your life or you're an astronomer or you want to learn something about astronomy, uh, check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've interviewed tons of people. We have about 70 episodes online right now. I recently talked to Dr. Erin um, McDonald. Um, she's a Star Trek fan and an astrophysicist who does uh, – uh, she calls herself an expert on, uh, on uh, warp drive. So she was an amazing podcast to talk to. So. Yeah, I have all sorts of stuff like that coming out as well. You don't know that I met her last year at STLV. I, I randomly met her. No, I, I told her, I said, I thought when I was talking to her, I said, I'm sure I met you last year because I, I think I was at her talk. She no. Was, no? I was, there, there was some party at the, the, Kiss, um, the Kiss mini golf thing, and I stepped out of that for a little bit. And she was sitting at the bar that's right outside the Kiss Mini Golf. And so I, I sat down next, not to like sit down next to her, but I just kind of sat down next to her. And she pointed at one of my tattoos, one of my Star Trek tattoos, and like, that's really cool. And then she's got like this whole sleeve of Star Trek tattoos. Right. So I was talking about her and we just started talking about Star Trek and, and tattoos. So that's really funny that you had her on your podcast because well, her and I chatted like randomly last year in Vegas. Yeah, I think I met her too. I was just because once I once I saw her picture come up, but it was funny because I had a a scientist that I work with at NASA send me a thing one day. I said, "Hey, you really should get Dr. Erin McDonald on your podcast. You know, she'd be fun to talk to." And I'd seen her YouTube and I'd seen her around at different stuff. And I, yeah, she'd be good. And like two days later, I got an email from Star Trek: The Cruise. And it says, yeah, they just signed her to be on the cruise next year. And I'm like, okay, my two worlds are colliding right here. My astronomy and my Star Trek worlds are colliding. And it's telling me something. So I called her. She goes, yeah, I'll come on. And we had a great talk. And we talked about Star Trek. And we talked about astronomy and astrophysics. So it, that's coming out in a few weeks on uh, the Observer's Notebooks. So for you Star Trek fans, I was thinking of releasing it as a side podcast for this as well. But it's going to be available there. Cool. She just got a really cool Voyager tattoo. I saw it on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. Beautiful she, uh, uh, Voyager and, and the photograph of the black hole that was taken earlier this year, she got that on her shoulder. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I want to plug another podcast really quickly that I was just on that just ended. Um, it's called the great albums podcast. They were, they've been on for like five years. They just did their last regular episode. 
um, last week, and I was on it two weeks ago talking about Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds album, uh, Let Love In. So if you're into music and you like listening to fans talk about albums that they love, I would definitely check out the Great Albums podcast. And if you like Nick Cave, then we can be friends because he's the best. And you can listen to my... uh, I did two episodes with him, one about Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and I did one about of the Metallic album, Master of Puppets. So uh, check that out. Lots of really good stuff on that podcast. And we have music on um, this podcast, right? We do have new music on this podcast. This The music for this podcast is supplied by Sarah Windish. Um, and you can find us all over the internet. Our email again is generationstrek at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at generationstrek, on Twitter at generationstrek, and on Facebook at generationstrek. Star Trek's themes of hope, diversity, peace, and unity are messages we should all cherish and pass on to our friends and family. This podcast is a vehicle to show just how fans of the franchise share their Star Trek memories and passion with those they love. Thank you for listening to Generations, an independent Star Trek podcast. That's fun, Doug. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, had fun. Love you, buddy. Love you too. I'll see you in a few weeks. Yep. All right. I got to go put the boys to bed. All right. Bye. Good night.